What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to the Off the Mound podcast presented by Sloan. I'm your host, Ryan Dempster. On today's show, we got former Cubs pitcher, 1998 Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Star, and struck out 20 on a May 6th afternoon at Wrigley Field. In 1998, we're talking about the Texas fireballer, Kerry Woods, joining us. We'll go from a pitcher who's known from throwing 20 strikeouts in a game to a Hall of Famer who played 20 seasons, all for the same team. 1984 World Series MVP, former Detroit Tigers shortstop, Alan Trammell stops by. So, let's get this show on the road as Kerry Wood goes off the mound. Former New York Yankee reliever, the great Kerry Wood. Woody, how are you, brother? Good. Don't love the intro. Thank you. I say that because I looked just, you know, like when you're doing research and I, I want to make sure I know you pretty well, but I didn't want to miss anything. And for some reason, when you go to your Wikipedia page, it says New York Yankees. I just think that's hilarious. Yeah. Like you spend your whole career with the Cubs is number 34, but 39 with the Yankees is up yeah. there. Surprised I didn't say partial with the Cleveland Indians for a year and a half. <laughs> How you doing, man? How's quarantine life treating the Wood family? Oh, man, I'm good. I Like everybody else, right? I mean, we're stuck at home doing what you can, but, um, you know, I can't complain. The family's healthy, and, and uh, unlike a lot of people in, in major cities in Chicago and New York, and uh, I'm not stuck in a, you know, a studio apartment um, begging and trying to do what I can to get out. So we've got a yard and space. And, and so I actually, you know, I have, I have no complaints other than uh, e-learning. Fourth, uh, fourth grade kicking, e-le- kicking my butt right now. <laughs> you could fail that Jeff Foxworthy show. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I know that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Are you the, uh, are you the PE teacher? The, uh, what's your, what's your specialty at home as you and Sarah share duties here? Yeah. So I've, I got, I got handwriting. Um, little bit of science nice uh, the pe or the kw here in my house and and uh we kind of got away from that really in the last couple of weeks early on we came out hot and heavy and i had the kids running the stairs and timing them um indoors and seeing how fast they could get to the third floor and back down and um then we had a major wipeout so that that exercise was done um and yeah <laughs> just got them outside on sun try to get them outside on sunny days and and ride around do some bikes and uh and and jog around and try to try to stay active and burn off some of that pent up energy um obviously there's no real baseball going on right now um are you guys watching any of the old games that are airing um on the network or anything like that not really um seen a couple of korean korean baseball highlights um you know i got through the first 20 minutes of the highlights and I saw my 64th bat flip, so I flipped it off of that channel. I couldn't, I couldn't handle that anymore. Um, so no, I'm not following a whole lot of baseball. Just you know, trying to stay home and and, and stay sane. A lot of more games, a lot of public reading. Um, too many text chains. You know, the the norm. Yes, absolutely. I did realize something though. I did realize from watching some of these old games that it's kind of neat to know that in the 80s that they, I don't know if they used spray paint or a can of paint to get the pants on the players, but it's pretty impressive <laughs> how they got those on. Or if they it stood is. up on yeah. top of the training table and two guys held them open and somebody jumped in them, but it's amazing. Shook Those them, shook them down. Out. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny to see some, some of the old games. I have caught a couple. Um, ESPN aired the twenty strikeout game, and, and I saw some of that. And uh, even my pants were a little bit tight for my liking as I was watching that. So uh, I'm not <laughs> sure if it was the pants were tight or my legs were bigger, but either way, it was uncomfortable watching myself in tight pants like that. Yeah, seeing you now and then seeing you as a young kid, we we were both uh, a little bit bigger in multiple places, I would say. A little bit more in the face and a little bit more around the, the waistline when we were younger. Man, I, I don't know. I'd say that starters need a little extra fat to to, to pitch deeper into the games. but uh, And then, you know, I feel like mine was still some baby fat. I was only 20, so I rode that till I was about 26. And then I couldn't say it was baby fat anymore. <laughs> Um, I was thinking about this and the 20K game. We've talked about it before multiple times. It was, you know, such a cool, special moment um, at Wrigley. And, you know, as we continue to air old games and we have anniversaries of that date, um, do you do you appreciate it every every time? The more and more time goes along and it passes and the years go on, appreciate that moment just a little bit more? I do. I really do. And, and for years, I mean, I, I think I've only, you know, this 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 past you know, last month when they aired it, or earlier this month when they aired it, I, it was probably only the second time I've actually watched the game in full. 
Um, and the first time I watched it was on the 20, 20 year anniversary two years ago. So I've only seen the full game twice and, um, it perspective a little bit more as, as each year goes on and, and, and the record still stands. But, um, you know, I really look back at how, how young and, 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 uh, kind of carefree I was and, and that kind of a game. And, um, you know, I really did focus. I really was focusing more on not walking anybody. Uh, that was a lot of stuff that I had been hearing in the minor league, a lot of the complaints and a lot of the the things that I needed to work on was a control. So during the game, I know that that's what I was focusing on. I knew I had a bunch of strikeouts. I didn't know how many, but um, when I look back on that, I just, I look back at how carefree I was and, and, uh, and just really, you know, singular focus was just trying to hit the glove. I mean, that's a, that feeling in that game is something I chased for the next 14, 15 years of my career, trying to, trying to get back into that zone. I watched that uh, when it was aired again and, you know, I looked at, there were so many great pitches. I mean, your command of the down and away fastball to righties was as good as I've ever seen you throw it. Um, and your breaking ball was nasty. But my favorite pitch in the game was pitch number one. Because <laughs> it just <laughs> darted up Jerry Meals right in the mask. And, and I loved his reaction. He was just like, all right, okay, let's get this thing going. Yeah, kind of like, did that just happen? How, how did that happen? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's always, it makes me chuckle when I see it now. You know, obviously what had happened, it was, I didn't throw any strikes warming up in the pen. So then I'll, I, you know, I was like, ah, first pitch of the game. Let me just air this out and see what happens. You know, and then I, I sail one over Sandy's head and, and smokes the umpire right in the face. And then, you know, for me at the time, I didn't think it was funny. I was like, oh, here we go. I'm still not throwing strikes yet. Um, <laughs> this kind of was kind of where I was. And, and now I'm like, oh, he's pissed at me. I'm not going to get any calls the rest of the day. I hit him in the face on the first pitch. So, um, but looking back on it now, yeah, I chuckle every time. I, I think probably part of them blamed Craig Biggio because he's like, you stuck the bat right in the middle of the path of the ball. And after that, he was just like, I'm going to ring all you guys up. Yeah, no, he did. And if you if you see it in slow motion, you can see the barrel is like literally right in front of Sandy's mask. So Sandy yep. just didn't get a didn't have a view on it. And by the time his bat was out of the way, the ball was by him. So, um, yeah, I blame that one on, on Biggio. Well, you punched out 20 that day and that that was really awesome and special. And that's cool. But I, I have a little trivia for you, or maybe like a little like jog your memory. Mm-hmm. Can you can you recall the other um, seven outs? Who made them? What inning? And what where they went? Dave Clark flew out to center. Uh, I think in his first at bat. Uh, I think that was the only ball that made it to the outfield, minus uh, minus the hit by Gutierrez that trickled through. Um, I think uh, I know Biggio grounded out to short at the in the ninth inning. Um, I feel like there was a ground ball. I feel like there was a ground ball to Morandini at second at some point. Couldn't tell Brad you why. So yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Now there's a pop-up foul to Gracie. I don't know who it was. Yep. It was, uh, after I hit Biggio, I think Biggio was on, somebody was on first. I was in the stretch. And, uh, it that, was, that was the in inning. the sixth inning as well. Your sixth inning okay. was the only inning you didn't have at least two punch outs because that, that was another Slacker. one too there in the, um, yeah, you just, you, at that point, I thought it was over. There's no chance he's going to punch out 20 now. Um, yeah, but you I hit that, I took that inning Derek off. Bell popped. So did Derek Bell. He went into operation shutdown mode. That's why he popped up to first base. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, four of them, maybe I can remember. Okay. The other what, one what was the other Shane Reynolds. Shane Reynolds sack oh, one punt. after the Gutierrez. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Biggio twice, 6-3. He did it in the third inning and in the ninth inning. And then the other one was Derek Bell hit a soft little liner to right field, just an easy little soft line drive. Okay. That's pretty That's pretty impressive that you can remember four of those. I would remember none. I just remember all my punch outs. Yeah. Well, I should have thought of it as Shane Reynolds because that's the one strikeout I look back on. I think he was two strikes on him when he got the blunt down. So I look back at that yep. at bat saying, if I had just thrown something else, maybe I'd get him to chase that and end up at 21. I always think back on the Shane Reynolds bunt with two strikes as potentially being uh, being number 21. So I should I should have got that one. Did, did you feel bad for the Astros? Is that why you mixed that balk in? You were just like, you know what? Yeah, well, I'm going to let just... you get all the way to third base. You know, it's really, you know, it doesn't look good enough. It looks bad enough when you when you get no walks and you, you strike out that many times and you get nobody past second base. So I thought I thought I would uh, let him get over there. No, it was Blauser's fault. He was juking back there like he wanted me to pick somebody off and, and I got a little twitchy. <laughs> I was a little, amp- I was a little uh, amped up that day, Dump. 
<laughs> I could tell by the 98 mile an hour heaters you were throwing. Um, dude, you know what was crazy too? And I was like going through that whole log is you punch out the side in the first inning. Shane Reynolds punches out the side in the first inning. And then you punched out two more to start the second. So it was like everybody was striking out. I was like, whoa, we're not going to see anybody put anything in play here. This It was what a, what a special moment for, uh, for you at, at Wrigley Field on that day. And um, I, I'm, I know how proud of, of you I am as your friend and teammate. That was, that was pretty cool. Not your teammate at the time, but um, yeah. later on down the road. Really cool stuff, man. No, and I think Shane should get some credit for, for you know, honestly, for keeping me locked in. It was a one to nothing game until the eighth inning. So he was dialed in. He was having a great day. Um, like you said, he struck out. He was striking. I think he had 10, 10 strikeouts on the day as well. So that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. So he, he was locked in and was throwing the ball really well and really didn't give me any opportunity uh, or, or any leeway to make mistakes. And, and um, you know, ultimately, I, with that kind of a lineup, I'm thinking, don't walk anybody. Somebody gets on base, they power, I end up losing this game. So. Um, you know, credit to him for, for doing what he did. And it kind of kept me locked in. Um, are you watching, uh, are you watching the last dance at all? I am. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like, you know, kind of coinciding with, you know, the rise of Jordan was, um, you know, that moment for you in 1998, they, you know, they're in the midst of just winning, uh, their, their third, you know, three P or their second three P their third championship again. Did you guys have after that moment? Cause I know how it is when you have iconic moments and you're, you know, a star in a city. Um, and then all of a sudden you have those relationships or interactions. Did you have any interactions with Jordan, um, you know, early on in your career there in Chicago? You, you know, after that game, he, he, uh, he was, he reached out and, and invited me to one of the playoff games there, uh, that year in 98. Um, for whatever reason, I, I think I was just exhausted from all the media and all the stuff I've been doing um, on it that night. And then uh, a few days later, um, I think when the series came back, I think they were playing the Pacers. I, I'm not sure on that. I'll have to check the dates. But um, I did end up going back to a uh, to one of the playoff games. So I was able to see Mike, Michael play as, in that season. But um, I always kick myself and, 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 re and regret not uh, not taking him up on that offer. I mean, there was a lot of offers that day that I just was trying to shut the world out and, and at least have some time by myself to kind of take it all in. Cause as soon as it was over, it was, you know, it was chaos for the next four hours with media and, and requests and all kinds of stuff. So I really just wanted to get back to the apartment and kind of soak it all up and take a breath. And, and uh, so, you know, Leno called, Letterman called, I turned all those guys down and then I was just in shutdown mode. And, uh, but obviously MJ calling and, and, and getting the invitation to go to one of the playoff games is, is, a, is a big regret of mine. Wow. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's, that's, I didn't even actually know that story. That's incredible. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. That's when you know you're going good right there. You're like, ah, you know what, MG, I'm kind of busy. I got another 20 to punch out next week. So, yeah. Uh, if you could just, apparently, I thought up. I was doing, <laughs> I had it going a lot better than I did. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool stuff. That, that, the last end stuff's awesome, huh? Like, I forget how many things when I'm watching it, I forget how many shots I'm like, oh, I remember that shot. I remember that game. I remember that play. I didn't realize how much, you know, that era and that time in my life just encompassed Michael Jordan and how great he was. He's done a phenomenal job, and, and, and I love the insight you get from the players and, and, and just listening to Michael talk and, and, and give some insight uh, kind of off, off the cuff is, is, great, uh, is great TV. Uh, I mean, I love the fact that they let Dennis Rodman go to Vegas for, for 48 hours, and, <laughs> you know, they had to go get A week later, they had to go get him. So, I mean, those are, you know, those stories that, that – Kind of jog the memory, but you when you get the when you get the details of of Phil and and uh, and MJ talking about it and Rodman talking about it, I think it just makes for great TV. Yeah, it is really cool to hear too when you listen to them talk just about how if you were about winning and 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 that's all that mattered to you that they just let you be you. It was they had a a tremendous kind of circle of trust there of going out and balling on the basketball court. And then after that, hey, you be you. If you want to dye your hair pink, go ahead. We got your back because we know that when it's game time, that's that's what it's all about. Well, I think you said it, you said it right. I mean, that is that is what it's about, right? Winning and, and doing it together as a team. And, 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 you know, certain we're not we don't all have the same personalities. We don't all, you know, approach life the same way. But uh, when you step on the field or you step on the court, if you're all pulling in the same direction, you have the same goal. And that's that's kind of what it's all about. And I think. Honestly, the, the 2016 Cubs kind of had that with Madden, right? Like, he comes in, there's a bunch of young players, and he just let them be themselves. Let Here, go be you. But when the, when the umpires step out on the field and it's go time, it's go time. So we're all going to focus back on what we have to focus on. So um, I, I really attribute some of that to the success of the 2016 Cubs as well.
wasn't that awesome? I remember just sitting there giving you a big hug after that all happened and like how incredible of a moment. Because for us as former players, that's all we wanted to do when we were in Chicago, bring a World Series to the city. We never got to do it, but the way they treated us and, and the way it all happened, it kind of felt a little bit inside like we were a part of it as well. Yeah, I mean, just the relief of it, right? Because we've, like you said, you when you wear the Cubs uniform, you go through that and you and you have, you know, postseason runs where you get into the postseason, that becomes a reality. Um, and then, you know, like you, you're fielding questions every day about it. The pressure from the media adds up to the, the drought and how long it's been and all of that. So, um, you know, fortunately, we weren't a part of all that stuff during the 16th season. So you but you know that the players had to handle that and deal with that. Um, and then when it happens, you just think of all the other players that like the Ernie Banks is the Ron Santos, the Billy Williams, the the you know all the all the players that came before us fergie jenkins and 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 you know that they all everybody that wore this uniform kind of felt that at some point when you get together and you get you get a good season going um, you start thinking about that like we got an opportunity to do it the whole city's thinking about it the whole city's talking about it um so that's just another added pressure that to a game that already has you know an enormous amount of pressure out there on the field so uh kudos to those guys and and it just i think it gave not just them as a team and an organization the 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 ability to sigh and say, whew, we finally did it. But I think it also helped the players that all came before them do the same thing. Yeah, and plus they were really nice and gave us a bus to ride around in the parade on too. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, we got tickets and all that stuff. It was great. Got a <laughs> ring out of it, I think. Beautiful. I remember us, we got to, you know, we got some, for people who were watching, we got to ride um, together in the in the parade and uh, uh, well as some, uh, some other alumni. And I just remember sometimes yelling at some of the fans when they were cheering, like, yeah, I threw the slider in game four. Like, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything, but yeah. It in sure 2008. Like it, it was <laughs> way back then. Oh, that was a good time, man. When we had those teams, th those teams, I, I thought of all the teams that we had, um, you know, 07 and 08, especially, obviously um, we, we had the talent. It just, it didn't happen for, you know, whatever the reasons are, you know, we ran into a buzzsaw with the Dodgers. They were as hot as could be and, and we didn't play our best. But, you know, that that was a lot of fun playing on both those teams because we, we did have the talent to do it. No, I agree. And, 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 and comparing the 2003, which people like to do the or used to like to do them until we won in 16 and then nobody cares about 03 and, and 07 and 08 anymore. But I think you know, try to compare those teams before we won the whole thing and 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 I still feel like our 08 team was was better than the 03 team. And it was just different dynamic, right? I mean, there was a whole lot of hype with me and Pryor in 03 and, and you know, Sammy's doing his thing and and uh, and the opportunities were there. But I think that 08 team, as far as a group of 25 guys that were, were all pulling in the same direction, we had great chemistry on the field, off the field, um, great group of guys. And so we just, we didn't show up for three games against LA and it was over pretty quick. But that, that team, in my opinion, was, was probably the best team I played on as a Cub. Um, and you talked about Sammy right there. And, you know, in the moment, going back to all the way to 98 and watching that kind of five-year run he went on, what was that like as a teammate to to watch that, like from batting practice to the game and the stuff that he was doing on the field? Well, at the time, it's just, it, you just you're living it, right? You're, you're, you're watching this guy do things the game has never seen before. And so it, it was awesome, you know, especially if you're pitching every fifth day. All right, Sammy's going to hit one or maybe two or maybe three home runs today. So we're going we're gonna to get a chance to win. Uh, and that's the way I think every starter felt. Um, he was just, uh, you didn't really think about it. You just expected it because it had been happening for many years in a row. And, and, and then when you look back on it after you're out of the game, you're like, man, like the run he had, it's just it's unbelievable and and the fact that he was he'll be in the lineup every single day and show up with that energy that he had and and uh you know who cares if he doesn't pick up balls in the cage after he hits the guy's sitting 66 home runs every year so i don't know they're, they're, it's it's i'm still in awe of what i was able to witness on a daily basis from from you know his pregame routine to batting practice to actually when he stepped in the box and it was go time i think it was uh it's it's something i'm not sure we're, we've, we've seen since then yeah, incredible stuff. I mean, I know what it was like facing him and then being his teammate, but facing him, I, I faced him June 1st, 1998, when he hit his first of 20 that month. Um, he hit another one later in the game and he didn't stop that month. And it was, uh, it was, it was scary. It was intimidating because you knew if you missed, if you hung a slider, it was a homer. If you missed a fastball out over the plate, it was a homer to right field. That's just, you know, how dangerous he was. You could strike him out, yeah. but if you, if you made a mistake, he was going to make you pay for it. It was special. And even if you didn't, even if you didn't make a mistake, I saw to right center field that were 
four inches off the plate and, you know, four inches down. Like he, if he got any kind of barrel at all on it, it was, it was gone. Um, so yeah. And think about that 20 month, 20 homers in the month of June. Like what? Like that's, Ooh. that's, that's a good season for some guys. He did it in June. Crazy. In one month. It yeah. was incredible, man. It re- you're right. It was. Well, 20 strikeouts is a good month for some guys too, you know? You did that one game yeah. on Wrigley Field. So, hey, honestly, like inside, I, I, you know, I know both these moments are super special, but um, in the moment when it was happening, more like what, what was a cooler feeling or what was a more surreal feeling, punching out 20 or hitting that home run in game seven of the NLCS at Wrigley? No question, home run. Game seven home run. Really? Um, yeah, not, not, not even close. Um, because I knew that happened, right? Like, 20 strikeout game, finished the game, and I still hadn't, I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, complete game. I'm like, teammates are mobbing me. I'm like, are they happy because I didn't walk anybody too? Or like, what's the, what's the deal here? Uh, the home run in game seven, obviously, you know you're down. Um, I didn't get off to a great start on the mound. Um, gave a couple runs early. Um, you know, and, and just see it bad. I, I remember sitting on the bench thinking, okay, stop, guy. I'm like thinking to myself, and then all the guys, I'm the ninth hitter. I'm like, guys, he's throwing a changeup. Maybe we, maybe we sit on that. Let's stop swinging at it when he gets ahead in the count um, or behind in the count. Let's just maybe start looking for that changeup. He's thrown 30 times already in the first two innings. Um, so I just got up there. I got behind 0-2 in the, in the at-bat, and then I was like, all right, I'm setting changeup. I set changeup for the next three pitches. He threw three changeups that were balls. I think he mixed in a fastball that I fouled off. Um, you know, he was throwing 87, 88. I didn't think he was throwing hard enough to, to get fastballs by me. Um, so I set change up with two strikes until I got to 3-2. And then uh, when I got to 3-2, I'm like, all right, he's not going to walk the pitcher in a playoff game with a guy on base and the leadoff hitter coming up. So I'm getting a fastball. And, uh, and I guessed right and, and just hit it. And when I hit first base and turned and, and was running towards second, when I saw the bleachers just erupting in beer and everything, every liquid they could find, they were throwing in the air. It was, I mean, I ran so slow around the bases because I thought my legs were going to give out. Like, they were like jello. It was like running on a pool of jello. I just couldn't, I couldn't feel my lower half. Um, you know, so it was, it, there's not another feeling like that. I mean, we, we've all been, yeah, it was game seven. It wasn't bottom in the ninth, but we were all our kids in our backyards when we were little and, and yeah. saying game seven, you know, da, 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 and, you, and you hit a home run. And here I am as a pitcher tying it up in, in the biggest game of my life. And, and, and at that point, the biggest game of, the, of Chicago's in the last hundred years. So um, just a surreal feeling as you're out in the bases and, and, and pitchers have no, you know, as they say, we have no business hitting home runs, but um, I felt pretty good about that one. Yeah, it was, I, I remember watching it too. The stands were, it looked like they were bouncing. The bleachers were going nuts. Beer cans were going everywhere. You know, plastic cups were getting chucked. I was like, is Eric Cooper behind home plate? What's going on here? This was nuts, man. But uh, it was, uh, it was really, really awesome to see that moment for you. You've, been lucky enough to have some pretty cool moments and um i'm happy for you because you're you know obviously such a a great teammate and and somebody who really respects the game i always say great moments come to people who respect the game and i always feel like that you had a, a ton of respect for it so um good for you and in both of those moments that's pretty cool stuff right there um well i appreciate you, it uh yeah dude absolutely um one, one thing that i always loved and i and i me and lily me and teddy would always joke about this that you had 99 um career hit by the pitches you know so you hit you hit 99 hitters did you purposely not hit anybody the rest of your career so that you just always had that hanging because you know dudes check out the stats and they're like man dude woody's got 99 am i gonna be 100 like there's got to be a little bit of fear for somebody stepping in the box no 100 i got a great story on that too no i like you're right people the, the things hitters look at when you come in town is like how many walks strikeouts we know he's got strikeout stuff how many guys has he hit? Oh my God, he's hit 30, we're in May. All right, this guy doesn't know where it's going and he's throwing 100. So I think that always kind of plays into, you know, my favor. So I had no problem hitting guys. And, and, and then my last, my last appearance, I knew it was gonna be my last appearance. I knew I was, I knew I was on 99 and uh, Dale Swain was our manager and he called me up before the game or the day before and we were trying to figure out how this was gonna work and, and, and the, the perfect scenario to, to get me in the game. Uh, I didn't have many bullets left in the shoulder. So I, if you get me up to warm up, I've got kind of had to go in or it's going to take me four days to recover from warming up. Um, so he called me up and he's like, how do you want this to go? I said, ultimately, I'd like to come in a, in a game that we're leading. Um, I'd like to go strike out, 
hit somebody strikeout and he kind of laughed and shook his head and he's like seriously he's like what do you why do you want to hit somebody i go dale i'm stuck on 99 i'd love to get triple digits if i could and so that was a game plan right like i was gonna i was gonna come in try to get my two outs hit somebody and then get the third out and, and be done you know at the century mark for 100 hit batsman um and that was the game jeff samarja uh, a split finger kind of got away. We were playing the White Sox. The split finger got away from Samarja, and he hit Conerco in the face. And, yes. Um, so it was a big hype and the whole thing. So both both managers got warned, and and then I was sitting in the bullpen. I'm like, all right, well, I can still hit him, you know, but then then I'm going to get tossed out of the game in my last career appearance, so that might not look too great. And so I was still contemplating. It came in the game. The umpire came out. And he's like, hey, what do you know? We've got warnings on both sides. And I turned to him. I was like, well, you know I'm stuck on 99 hit batters, right? And he just kind of shook his head and laughed. And he's like, yeah, I bet. And so I – and then I was – we had a runner on. We were only down by one run. It was two to one game. So I was like, all right, well, let me uh, let me get this guy out. So I got the first guy out and thinking I had another another hitter to go. Um, and then our, our – um, Jamie Quirk was our – our manager at the time, because Dale had gotten kicked out because um, uh, Canarco got hit in the face. So they kicked Samarja and, and Dale out. So uh, Jamie Quirk came out and, and pulled the hook. So I didn't get an opportunity to hit my 100. Uh, the things the things we have to sleep with that night, you know, that's a tough I know, one. I know. <laughs> what can you do? We know, hey, we, we know that the desire was there, and that's all that matters. Well, I will say this, too, about that moment. You know, um, you got to – strike out 20 in a game, you hit a game a home run in, in game seven of the NLCS and on a huge stage like that. Um, but that very moment you were talking about, you got to do something that, you know, many of us as fathers would dream about. And, you know, knowing it was your last hitter and walking off on the field, uh, I kind of nudged Justin out there and I said, go give your dad a hug. And you guys get to share that hug on the field. And in my mind, I thought, man, that's cooler than any 20 strikeout game, you know, to know that it, it ends right there in that moment with your son who, um, you know, you love dearly, obviously. It, it just share that was was special in my eyes. And I know for you how special that was and what did that mean in that moment? Yeah, for sure. And 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 I'm not sure if I've ever thanked you for that. So thank you for doing that. And, and, and um, you know, he's got a picture in his, in his room framed up. I've got it in our basement. And it's just, uh, it's a special moment that we, we will, we will always remember and, and, and we were able to capture that. And, you know, when it first, when the day was, day was coming that I knew it was gonna be my last one. And, and so I just told my wife, Sarah, I said, listen, if you see me get up to warm up, uh, send him down to the clubhouse because I'm going in the game. They're not gonna get me up and sit me down. If, I, if you see me up on the mound warming up, go ahead and send him down. And then I told Owen, our, um, our clubhouse guy, I said, bring him into the dugout. I'd love to sit next to him uh, when I come out of the game. And then uh, obviously it, it happened. And, and of course you and I think Reed Johnson was there as well, but you nudging him out on the field, mm -hmm. um, it just set up that moment for, for, for like you said, for, for, for what took place and, and, uh, and a lifelong memory that we were able to capture. And, and, and again, it's not, it wasn't planned. Um, he got out there to give me a hug and I think he realized there was 40 something thousand people out there once he got out there and he wouldn't <laughs> let go. So it was just, a, you know, it was a sweet moment and, and something I wasn't prepared for. And I'm not sure how I didn't lose it and cry and, 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 you know, babble all over myself, but it was, it was very special. And, uh, and a lot of guys, most guys don't get a chance to do that. You know, I, I've got a friend, Jason Beret that I played with for early in my career and, and, and he was a great teammate and a great dad and, and, uh, and a great person. And, and he texts me after he's like, that doesn't happen. You guys don't get to do that. He's like, I retired in a, in a, in a, a ball locker room, sharing the locker with a Mac most people don't get to retire on their terms like that. So that was, that was pretty special. Oh man, it was incredible. I still get chills thinking about that moment. It was as a father, I, I totally agree with him. It, you know, to share that moment with him was so special. Um, before we let you go, you know, I, I joked earlier about, you know, introducing you as, you know, former reliever for the Yankees. You, you know, you pitched there, you did great there. You pitched in Cleveland, but um, you know, your, your career as a Chicago Cub, um, you, you, you did it all from great games, great moments, um, playing on great teams, uh, more importantly, a great human being in the community, and what you you and your wife do with the with the foundation. What what has Chicago meant to you, um, to your family, and and you know, kind of just if you could sum it up a little bit, you know, how how incredible it was being a Chicago Cub. I mean, you know, for the time you played here, you know what it's like, right? I mean, Chicago has just been has opened has opened their arms to me since I was 17 years old when I got drafted. 
um, you know, when you come up and you're you're a highly touted draft pick and 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 all the hype, and then you get here and and, and you see what the city is all about, and 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 at the time coming coming to an organization that hadn't even made the playoffs since like 1975, I think, or 76, and um, and you see the passion of these fans and the passion of the city towards this team, it's 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 eye opening, and and I think it speaks to the resilience of the people that live here and, 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 and what Chicagoans are like. And, and so I just embraced it and they embraced me. And, and, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to raise my kids here and, and, and it gave me the platform to, uh, during the end of my career and post career to be able to, to give back and, and, and start our foundation and, and, and do our work within the community. So, um, you know, hopefully by the end of this whole thing, I'm, I'm known more for, for the, for the work we've done in the community than baseball. And, and it seems to be going that direction, but it, it really comes down to just being, being given the opportunity by a great organization, um, to come here and, and, and do what I love to do. And then obviously the city and, and who the people are of this city that, uh, that embraced me and, and embraced my family. And, and there were, it wasn't all highs. It wasn't all lows. There was a, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, but they stuck with me the whole way. And, 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 uh, you know, I thank them for that and never, and we'll never forget that. Yeah. They definitely won't forget you either. And, um, and never, uh, you know, goes a day without somebody thinking about, um, you know, something great Kerry Woods done, whether it's on the field or off the field. And, uh, we appreciate you coming by. I appreciate you always dropping by off the mound, uh, being a guest. I love you like a brother and, uh, and can't thank you enough for, for, uh, stopping in for a little bit and talking some ball with us. Absolutely, man. Love seeing you. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. So great to catch up with Kerry. You know, just once in my life, I would have liked to know what it was like to throw that hard, to have a fastball like that that you could just dominate hitters with. Truly a once-in-a-generation arm he had. So great to catch up with him. Now it's time we sit down with the former Detroit Tigers shortstop, 1984 World Series MVP and Hall of Famer, Alan Trammell. What's up, Tram? Hi, Demp. It's been a while, but uh, man, it's good to be talking baseball and hearing some some things that uh, we might be getting back at it. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm getting a little steer crazy. I don't know about you, but I certainly am. Yeah, me too. Um, a lot of people don't know this. You actually managed both Woody and I for a four-game stretch there in Chicago when, when Lou <laughs> went off. I think he... He went off on a tirade on Mark Wagner, and uh, and then you took over for the Reigns for a little bit there. Yeah, we didn't do too bad. I believe we were three and one out of those four games. Um, and boy, I look back on the times, and and really everything that I've done in baseball, I've I've really have enjoyed. But uh, you know, the four years there that I was with the with the Cubs and at Wrigley Field, uh, I have not seen the new addition, and I've heard nothing but great raves about the new clubhouse and all the additions and things that they've done. But I kind of, you know, I played at Tiger Stadium. It was similar as far as, you know, the old fashioned, hit your head on the dugout, uh, clubhouse is small, but uh, it was very homey. Uh, but Wrigley Field, as I mentioned, was very special. And uh, I was very appreciative of the Cubs and Lou Pinella bringing me in there. And again, four good years for me. Yeah, I, I loved having you as a coach. It was great to to listen to you, the insight that you gave so many uh, players, especially the infielders. I mean, you know, you're a four-time Gold Glove winner, uh, World Series MVP in 1984. Take us back, like, when you go down memory lane of, of winning that World Series, what was that season like and, and winning that championship? And then, you know, not only that, you win the MVP of the World Series, an incredible moment in your career. Well, certainly the highlight of my career up until, you know, being selected uh, for the Hall of Fame. But uh, for a year, it was, uh, you couldn't have scripted it any better, Demp. Uh, uh, we got off to this uh, incredible start. Uh, and when I say this, it sounds like uh, Nintendo, 35 and five. And, and I say that, it's, it's, it's even hard to believe that, but we were there, I was there, and it happened, it's in the books. Uh, we won 17 games in a row on the road, which is an American League record. Um, it just seemed like everything Sparky did, the coaching staff did, it worked. And it was just one of those dream years that, you know, we seemed to jump out quick. Uh, we added on, we had good pitching, we had good defense. We just had a really good overall, a good solid baseball team. And I know that uh, for Cub fans, uh, they were hoping that, uh, you know, they had that two nothing lead and they couldn't hold it against the Padres, but uh, it was kind of mixed emotions. I would have loved to have played in Wrigley Field, but I do have to be honest that I'm from San Diego. So when we did play the Padres and we opened up there, I actually got to sleep on my old bed. So that wasn't too bad. 
Yeah, but your road pass list was probably a little bit bigger. <laughs> those tickets, well, you, those tickets you were flipping the penny for when you had to get down down there in San Diego would be a lot more. Well, that is a it's a good point. Uh, but you know, when you're in the playoffs, there's no freebies, whether it be your for your family, uh, for for anybody. Uh, that's just the way it's set up. But I was happy to to buy the package and to have as many people. And then when we did go back to Detroit. Um, you know, I was able to uh, have a number of people come back and enjoy that as well. But, you know, I, I look back on that and, and, and I was fairly young in my career, um, was hoping that we could do it again. But uh, that was the only time in my career that, uh, you know, that uh, we were able to uh, make it to the World Series. One other year we made it to postseason, but the only year that we made it to the World Series was 84. But at least we did win. And again, a very, very special year for me and for, for the rest of the Tigers that year. Um, everybody remembers you and Sweet Lou Whitaker up the middle, um, double play combo for years and years. Did you guys kind of feel like, were you guys so symbiotic where you guys always knew where each other were? just because of the fact that you played together so much? Absolutely, and that was the key. And I'm gonna tell you a quick story that uh, I, I, not too many people know this, but uh, Lou and I are a year apart. So he was drafted in 75, I was drafted at, in 76 out of high school. I did not meet Lou until Instructional League of 1976. So when the season's over, we had about a week off and then uh, Lou was the MVP of the Florida State League in 1976. And he played for a manager by the name of Jim Leland. So we come to instructional ball. I meet Lou for the first time. And they tell Lou, Lou, you're going to play second base. I forgot to tell you that he was the MVP of the league as a third baseman. So here's a kid that just won the MVP as a third baseman. And they tell you a day or so later, uh, you're not going to play third any longer, son. You're going to play second. Well, it was the best thing that could have happened, honestly. But at that particular time, Lou never said a word. We ended up teaming up. Jim was one of our coaches in Instructional League. And basically, the rest is history. But uh, I just wanted to share that because not too many people know that story. And Lou was kind of quiet, shy to a certain degree. He wasn't really shy. We know when we get each other in the clubhouse. But a great player. And I'm hoping and a dream of mine is that someday he'll be in the Hall of Fame as well as myself and Jack Morris and, and a few of the other, you know, players that are deserving as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and like, take us back to that. Like what, you know, so many years um, on the ballot and then um, to finally get in um, to the Hall of Fame, you know, did you cry? Did you, I mean, what, what were the emotions like <laughs> when that phone call well, comes? It's an incredible thing. Yeah, this is a, this is a true story as well. So I did not make it on the 15 years of the uh, of the regular ballot, and so it just so happened that the first year that the new veterans committee uh, was formed, it happened to be the year that I happened to be on it. So it just from one year to the next, uh, it just worked out. It was just a coincidence. But you know, remember how you know with the fans in Chicago and how long it took Ron Sano and. Unfortunately, he was not alive when he was elected, but nevertheless, he's in where he deserves. I didn't think, and it was harder actually for veterans uh, committee people to, to select players. So I didn't have the confidence, to be honest with you, that I was gonna make it. So I'm on my way from my duties uh, for the winter meetings in early December of 2000, and, and, and it was 17, uh, it was when the, the vote came out. I was on a flight to Orlando. They knew that I was approximately getting in around 10 minutes to six. They were charting and tracking that flight. About 12 minutes to six, we got in right on time. I got a call from Jane Forbes Clark, who's the, the chairman of the board there for the Hall of Fame. And she came in and I saw the number was from New York and my heart started pounding. Well, I'm in the back of the plane. This is a true story. And all the kids that were on that flight, you know, of course, they want to go to Disney World or all the theme parks. Um, I got the call. I wanted to jump up and down. I mean, how can you, how, how do you think anybody would have felt? But I'm standing in the aisle trying to deplane, and I want to jump up and down. I want to go crazy. I've got to keep all this in check until I can get off the plane and call my wife and, you know, and, and make those phone calls that I so wanted to. But I did have to keep my, you know, keep my, you know, my composure for 10 or 15 minutes till I got off the darn plane. But again, it's quite a phone call to get, uh, you know, going in there with the group anytime with any group, it's going to be awesome. But 
I will say I went in with one of my teammates, Jack Morse, which was very special, and also a good friend of mine and yours in Trevor Hoffman, who, uh, you know, again, we've known each other for many, many years. So uh, just a great phone call to get. And obviously now, you know, when you sign your name and you put HOF on the side of that, man, I'm shaking my head as I'm speaking. It's, uh, it's very, very cool. And what an incredible thing. Like the fact that you go into the Hall of Fame is one thing. Um, it's incredible in its own right, but you come up in 1977 and so does Jack Morris and together you guys have this uh, amazing career side by side. Then Jack leaves, um, goes to Minnesota right. um, and then to Toronto. But all the while, now all of a sudden you guys go in on exactly the same year. It's almost like it's destiny in a way or fate or something like that. Cause that's special. well, no, I, I believe in that Demp. I, I really do. And you think back, uh, um, that's exactly how it came down. Uh, you know, you're going with a teammate. I mean, it would be special to be in with when you're going with anybody, believe me, but to go in with a teammate, you know, I was hoping maybe at one day, you know, years before that it would be Lou Whitaker. And I still hope that and hold out for that dream but to go in with Jack. Obviously he was very, very deserving. I thought he should have been there years before, but we kind of bounced things off. And now is that the six of us who all went in in 2018, it's a, it's a fraternity that we have. I mean, it's a, it's a, there's others obviously in the fraternity and I'm proud to be a part of that, but the six that was elected in that class will always have that link. And uh, you know what, it's uh, it's very, very special as well. But uh, again, you know, the, the little ribbing, the kidding, you know, the little, uh, hazing that we had, uh, you know, from one year to the next, sometimes they haze you, sometimes they don't. Uh, it just so happened that the year that, uh, that we were uh, elected, uh, we had to do a little, I had to do a little skit with a little song. It was, it was very harmless, but obviously <laughs> you were very nervous. Uh, you know, my singing is, uh, is better in the shower. You know, they booed me, but it was awesome. And uh, it, was, it wasn't even 30 seconds worth, but it was something that obviously I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, it was just all part of the deal and uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's the truth. There's so many games I look back, I'm like, I scratch my head. I don't really remember that. But I remember a 3 a.m. bus ride yeah. in Toronto, you know, laughing our tails off. And just, you know, those are the things that when you get done playing, you miss as much as you miss the competition. Well, no question about it. And you're still, you know, close to the game and, and as I am and, and as, a, you know, a special assistant to the general manager in Detroit. I I really am appreciative of just being a part of this. And I, I do feel I have something to offer, but obviously, uh, you know, I'm an older person now and, and a lot of the players now that when they come in, they don't, they don't really know who I am. And that's okay. I tell them to Google, Google me and they can figure it out uh, <laughs> and just kind of kid them. But uh, uh, I really do enjoy just, uh, you know, that keeps me young and being a part of that in any way. And, uh, you know, right now the Tigers are down and, and if I'm myself and, 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 and the rest of the guys, we're all just trying to be a, you know, a small part to try to help us get back to, you know, uh, you know, back on the map, so to speak. But uh, as we know, baseball has been very good to us. And uh, you know what? What we're doing now is just kind of passing the torch uh, to the younger players because the game is going to keep going on with us, without us. Um, and that's just the nature of the game. So I'm, uh, you know, I've been very, very fortunate because I, signed out of high school um, uh, as a lot of us had did and that's all I've known and that's really all yep. I've ever wanted to do to be honest with you and uh, again I, I gotta you know uh, pinch myself often just to say you know I'm, I'm a very lucky man as I know you feel the same way yeah I remember sitting on the bench me and Ted Lilly and having a conversation singing your praises <laughs> not, Theodore, not not about Theodore, yeah, Lilly. <laughs> Theodore. And we weren't talking about you as a, as the ball player or even even like what you were doing as a coach. It was how you were as a coach um, yeah. that, you know, there was never this. Well, when I played or when we did this, you were always moving forward and moving with the times and appreciating the players that played right there in that season. And I just I really appreciated that as a player, because, you know, sometimes when we do get away from the game, it's easier or um, you oh, know, yeah. it's, it's, it's things like that, that, you know, you, you do need somebody patting you on the butt, but also giving you instruction, but singing your praises and you were incredible at that. And I know so many guys appreciated that. Well, I, I uh, thank you for saying that. It's what I've tried to do. I mean, obviously, you know, as an ex player, somewhere along the line, you're going to bring some sort of uh, story of some sort of when you did it and all, but you try to be somewhat careful in the way you 
the way that uh, comes across to the players nowadays. And, and I'll give you an example. So in 84, when we won, and prior to that, um, you know, the scoreboard and the technology was a lot different back then. But every time, or it seemed that every time there was a rain delay, they played the 68 Tiger, you know, highlights. And we're like, man, can they give that a rest? You know, can we see something else? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, you know, we didn't mean any disrespect, but it's just like this is, a, you know, they got any other highlights. Uh, but until we did something, you know, that's what they were going to show. And so, you know, we finally did that. It was 16 years later uh, that we actually did as far as the 84 to 68. But, you know, just just kind of in light of what we're talking about, that, uh, you know, young players, they need to they need to be they want to hear some of the modern stuff. And I get that. So you try to balance that out. I think balance is the key in anything in all walks of life. But, uh you know, uh, again, I thank you for that. I, I enjoyed that. You know, Wrigley Field, you know, I played again, as, as, you, as I mentioned, in Tiger Stadium. That was a very special place, my home for 20 years. But Wrigley Field, man, uh, I wish I could have played there. I missed interleague play, uh, so I got a chance to see that, you know, coaching. Played in an all-star game there, but Wrigley Field was very special as well. Yeah, it's incredible. And you've had, you know, over 40 years in the game. Um, you've done it yeah. all, obviously, because yes. you're in the Hall of Fame and Long you've time. seen a ton yeah. of ball players. Yeah. In today's game, when you watch the players play in today's game, who are the guys where you're like, who who impresses you? Who not not just, you know, from everything, from making the great plays to the guys who make the routine plays day in and day out. Who are the infielders that you you admire as a as a you know a veteran of many years of this game? Well, before I'm going to get to the infield, I just I'm going to mention Mike Trout, and I think you know, as the he's probably the number one guy, the face of baseball as far as the the number one person out there, and I think that he deserves it. I have not met him, and I look forward to the day that I do. But I've heard nothing but good things, and out of respect for yourself and the other players that that we respected, he goes about it the right way, the way he conducts himself. Obviously, a very talented player. But just the way he conducts himself with the media and just the way that, you know, he seems like a very, very down-to-earth guy. And I, I do know a number of people that uh, they second that. And so that's always nice to hear. You know, the infielders, obviously, that's my bread and butter. Uh, you know, the, the Javi Baez there in Chicago, uh, he might have a little more flair than, than, than I would be accustomed to. But you know what? You don't want to clone anybody. This guy's a special guy, uh, not only with the way he makes the tags, those quick tags, the flair and the love for the game. I mean, you got to love that. And I know the Chicago Cub fans do and baseball fans around, you know, love that style of play. So uh, and then here, out here in San Diego, there's a, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis, who's, you know, still very, very young. Uh, and the Padres mm -hmm. got a chance, a glimpse of seeing him last year, and then he got hurt at the end of the year. But he's a star in the making. If he doesn't get hurt, you know, he's going to be one of the top players in the game. But uh, I think the game is healthy, um, you know, and, uh, again, I'm just glad to be a small part of it still and, uh, and still love watching the game and still, you know, joy, as I mentioned earlier, being a part of it. Yeah, I, I know, and you're talking about Javi Baez, like, you know, the instincts that he has to me, like I, I watch him so much when I'm at Wrigley. Right. Um, it, it's like the game goes in slow motion and he's just, you know, or he's in slow motion, the game's speeding up and he's just like, oh, I'm going to do this while you're looking over here. It, it really is remarkable. Just, um, you know, those th those intangibles and that set of skills that not many players um, that come around this game have. He's he's a treat to watch. And Mike Trout was on the show. Oh, yeah. The very first yeah. off-the-mount show, Tram. And he can – Really? Not only can he hit wow. – Yeah, not only can he hit. You're right. He's humble. He treats everybody great. He changed his first ever diaper on the show. And before I could finish mine, <laughs> he was already finished. So he's an absolute nice. natural at everything he does. He's, he's, uh, I he's like a to great hear kid, that. Man. I like yeah. to hear that. You know, you're talking about the, uh, you know, with Javi and, and others that have played, you know, anybody that's that's played in the middle of the diamond or been a real good player, they have that uh, little, they have that eternal clock, that clock in the head that uh, they just kind of, they sense, they feel things. And it's hard to teach. And, you know, coaches, uh, oftentimes you'll hear them say, you know, you've got to slow the game down. And that's very true, but easier said than done. And the good ones can do that. And all of them that, uh, 
are very good players at some point when they when they get the nerves out of their system so to speak you know that's what they're able to do is slow the game down take a step back like when a pitcher you know when you step off the rubber you take a deep breath and you kind of regroup hey, and you go back at it that's basically doing the same thing as a as an infielder or any other position player but uh, it's all good stuff man it's uh, i just feel so blessed that uh, that i've had a lot of good mentors in my in my life and, uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you're blessed. We're all blessed with certain ability, but you still got to go out and work. And uh, the work part, I say that as an adjective. I don't like that because, you know, I'm saying it myself, but it wasn't work to me. It was always fun. It was something that I always wanted to do, just like yourself and others. And again, just feel very fortunate that uh, we were able to play it at the highest level. Yeah, you're right. If you enjoy what you're doing, you never have to work a day in your life. And, oh uh, my and gosh. we both definitely got to do that. <laughs> That's the secret. Got to keep that. <laughs> well, that is the yeah, truth, though. Well, I mean, gosh, you know, we're. I'm still a big little kid, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, it's been a while. I, it's hard to believe that the last year that I played was 1996. So that's 24 years ago. But uh, nevertheless, you know, again, the young players, uh, you know, if they want to Google us and, and, and the other people, again, don't forget that the player, there's been other players before you. And, and that's the way, you know, the young players nowadays, you know, in 20 years from now, they're going to be, there's going to be other studs coming up. And that's, that's just the way sports works. That's one of the beauties of sports. So, uh, but again, uh, it was fun to do it. Nothing's like playing Demp. Nothing's like, I love the coaching. I love that. But when you rank them, Nothing's like playing. Well, when you played, you gave people um, all across baseball and especially all the Tiger fans so many great memories with the 84 championship, all those great years there up the middle playing shortstop, um, a tremendous ball player. Uh, the Hall of Fame is a better place because you're in it and the game of baseball is in a better shape because well, you're still involved in the game and coaching. And I appreciate everything you did for, for me as a player when you were my coach and and more importantly, as a friend. And then we're just so glad that you came here and stopped by off the mountain and joined us, man. It's awesome. Well, my, it's my pleasure, Demp. I look forward to when we do get back into baseball that we'll cross paths and reminisce a little bit more, have a few laughs. And uh, you're a good man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, a big thanks to Alan Trammell and Kerry Wood for joining me this week. One item of note, actually, on Kerry. Today's May 25th. Well, on May 25th in 2001, he followed up John Lieber's one-hitter with a one-hitter of his own that included 14 strikeouts and a Cubs win over the Brewers. Talk about a tough little stretch for the Brewers right there. But, shocker, another great game by Kerry Wood. Remember to go to marqueesportsnetwork.com slash podcasts or subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast presented by Sloan on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to watch the show every Friday night at 8 p.m., on Marquee Sports Network. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. See you later.